This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, before we start the episode today, we want to take a moment to address the June 24th, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and for their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Learn more by visiting choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. And if you're able to support others, please consider donating to abortion funds. And thank you to Ariel Nisenblatt, the founder of Earbuds Podcast Collective, for starting this movement of podcasters making this announcement at the top of their podcasts in a time where people really are looking for help, looking for unity, looking to know what to do. This is an amazing movement to show how many there are of us and how important coming together and unifying over this very important topic is. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. To my favorite murder. This is the mini so It's mini. We read you your stories. You want to go first? Sure. Cool. Let's just get right into it. Hey, let's do it. No time like the present. That's right. No time like the present for a sinkhole story. Hey. The subject line <laughs> of this email is the sinkhole incident of 2003. Okay. Longtime listener, like obsessive slash have no life slash I've listened to every episode six times. Hey. Like you. We like you. A full salute to you. And first time caller. I've had several stories I've wanted to share with you both over the years and finally decided on a quote unquote Karen classic, the sinkhole incident of 2003. Child of divorce here, living mainly with my father for the better part of two years in a suburban town in Montreal, Canada, where supervision was close to non-existent. We kids had free range, running wild, and causing havoc. In parentheses, it was great. My best friend Jess and I were dirty, dirty kids. (laughs) We were eight years old, and we loved to muck shit up. We lived on a cute little street, white picket fence looking, and our address was 911. Murderito from the get-go, am I right? There's so many parentheticals in this email that yeah. I'm gonna stop. I'm just gonna <laughs> stop saying them. There was a crescent on our street, little island-like thing in the middle of the road, mainly covered in grass, with a fire hydrant smack in the middle. One day we noticed the crescent was considerably muddy compared to other days. We thought nothing of it and carried on with our game of picking sticks and chasing squirrels further down the road. Canada is riveting, isn't it? <laughs> 
A little while later, we heard screams coming from the crescent. We looked over to see our neighbor, Lauren, standing in the middle of the muddy crescent, screaming for help. Mm. We ran toward her, ignoring the fact that she was violently shaking her (laughs) hands in a no-don't-come-this-way fashion. As Jess and I ran onto the crescent and got closer to Lauren, we immediately started sinking fast. (gasps) First person sink Mud filled our little billy boots and we instantly started sinking, each stride looking more and more like a slow motion scene from a poorly directed action film. (laughs) Suddenly we were stuck. The mud was too thick and gooey for our thin eight-year-old legs. Jess managed to crouch down and dig for her boot, pulling it off and using it as a shovel to dig her other leg out. As an eight-year-old, the genius engineering. She then proceeded to get Lauren out, huffing and puffing, pulling her out by her armpits. All the while, I was sinking, sinking fast. I was up to my waist in mud when I started dramatically crying and screaming for help. There was nothing Jess and Lauren could do. They were safe on the pavement by this time and didn't want to reemerge themselves in the sinkhole of mud. I started scream crying for my dad, who was about 20 yards away at our house. In parentheses, it says, the length of a bowling alley, I googled it. (laughs) Trying to keep this as short as I can, but it's important to add in that my dad, who allowed us free range, also expected us to get ourselves out of every sticky situation we got ourselves into. He also smokes a lot of pot, and it's just your typical happy-go-lucky, life-is-a-hunky-dory type of fella. He heard my screams and being the good old dad that he is, came over, saw me, now rib deep in mud, oh laughed, and turned around and walked back no. home. No. Okay, there's a limit to, to getting yourself <laughs> out of it problems. And I think that's when it hits your armpits. Yeah, when mud is coming close to your face yeah. and engulfing it. Yeah. I obviously started crying even harder now. I accepted my fate, thinking I was going to die. My first thought, who would feed my Tamagotchis? A few seconds later, my dad came back with a shovel. He stood at the edge of the crescent and threw it to me while saying, dig yourself out. Right. This sent myself and my best friend Jess into hysterical tears. And my dad, of course, got a real chuckle out of it. I tried to dig, covered in tears and snot. And then finally, he and three other dads on the block who put their beers down for five minutes, wrangled me out of the mud as I sobbed. Turns out the pipes from the fire hydrant in the crescent had burst, causing it to turn into a sinkhole-esque mud lake, thus leading to us idiot kids sinking. Mm. Jess's other boot is still stuck beneath the now dry crescent. Whoa. And we constantly laugh about how my dad joked about leaving me for dead. So stay sexy, and if you find a muddy sinkhole, make sure your dad isn't three beers in a joint deep before calling for help. Mm, Bye, Cassidy. Oh, Cassidy. That's a good one. Yeah. Sinkhole first person. And a little quicksandy, like, thrown in for good measure, which is fun. The greatest. There's a really good popular tweet that, and I can't remember who wrote it, that was like, I really thought that quicksand was going to be a bigger part of my adult life. (laughs) Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, one which is those, so funny because it's yeah. true. One of those top things to look out for. Yeah. Is, but no, it's gone. It's gone. It's not an issue. This is called An Army Surgeon, A Room Full of Traumatized Children, and a Wedding. Hi, and welcome to my email. I'm from a small town about an hour from Seattle in the foothills of the Cascade Mountains. The only things we have to brag about are the second best state fairgrounds and a supermax prison that is on the same hill as my former high school. Seriously, I watched the prisoners work out in the yard every day for a year instead of paying attention in geometry class. <laughs> Hell yeah. We had a cemetery outside of our oh. algebra 
class and no I way. stared at it constantly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our school colors were black and orange and everyone wore costume prison jumpsuits to football games, which got us number one in the state for school spirit and also number one in fucked upness. Mm-hmm. Okay, on to the story. In addition to weird prison town stuff, I was raised strictly Mormon. When I was 13, they held a youth group event for all the teens in town where a member of the church had just returned from his deployment in Afghanistan and was invited to share about his experiences. I don't know why they thought that was a good idea for extremely sheltered youths or why it was a church event at all because I don't think Jesus would have sanctioned it. The man was an army surgeon and he proudly presented us with a PowerPoint filled with photos of all the people he got to operate on in the field. Slide after slide of mangled limbs and naked bodies with shrapnel wounds. These are 13-year-old Mormons. Yeah. <laughs> My sharpest memory of that day is when the 18-year-old boy next to me ran out and threw up in a trash can after we <sighs> saw a guy whose legs had been blown off by a grenade and ended up dying. The worst part is that none of the youth group leaders did anything, even when the kids started screaming and throwing up. They just let him do his thing and traumatize us forever. I'd been an extremely sensitive kid, and I firmly believe that desensitizing experience is why I'm such a morbid murderino today. Cut to seven years later, I break my collarbone and who else is my surgeon but fucking army surgeon guy? He actually remembered me and I kind of just awkwardly laughed. He fixed me up and sent me on my way and I was happy to never think about him again. I succeeded in that quest until I met a quiet Icelandic guy at a house party. I notice he has a gnarly arm scar and I ask about it. I am not subtle. Come to find out he had a horrible snowboarding accident the year before and was airlifted to the hospital in my hometown and the same army surgeon fixed his wrist, ribs, and punctured lung. Wow. He had been in the hospital in my hometown for a month while I drove past every day. It was such a weird connection and we really start hitting it off. Today, that Icelandic guy and I have been married for one and a half years, have a dog, just got his green card, and will finally be able to visit Iceland and meet his family. Maybe the army surgeon didn't directly introduce us, but it sure feels like fate. (laughs) Stay sexy and don't let army surgeons show a bunch of kids gory pictures, or maybe do because maybe they'll end up marrying a sexy European XOXO (laughs) Jess. What was the thinking of the value, aside from maybe having fear of guns or fear of combat? I don't know. That seems wild. What's the theory that that is going to help any kid? There's no, there's no justification there. And it'll like make people not want to join the army after that, which isn't what you want to do either. <laughs> it's like, what or we- maybe, maybe because he went through it, it is what he wants to do. Oh, maybe it was okay. kind of like an anti right. without saying it. Right. I mean, we just can't know. We can't we'll know until here and- he writes us a letter and tells us what he was thinking. I mean, man, that's intense. Also, it's not like high school seniors because I understand when it's like, okay, you've gotten your license or you're now 18 and this is a possibility or like, I don't know. Yeah, just like a lot of questions. Don't you have to tie it into (laughs) something that is of value? Perhaps not. 
Why do I always remember lyrics to songs, Karen, that I haven't heard for years, but I always forget my email passwords? I know, right? It's like our brains only want us to retain useless information, but with 1Password, that problem solved. 1Password is an award-winning password manager that's trusted by families and large-scale companies alike. If you're tired of being the person that everyone texts for a streaming login, hand that honor to 1Password. They let you share logins with people and with groups. With 1Password, you can securely switch between any device type or operating system. That means if you're a family or business that uses both Mac and PC, you won't have trouble sharing your private data. Don't let the name fool you. 1Password does more than just store passwords. It can autofill usernames, payment details, and personal information. And they notify you about potential data breaches. For business operations, 1Password has a dedicated support team that will integrate its security tools into your existing workflow. 1Password saves everyone time. And we all know that time saved equals money saved. Your accounting department will thank you. Don't just listen to us. 1Password was named Wirecutter's best password manager. And companies like Salesforce and IBM trust 1Password to secure their most sensitive information. So you can too. Right now, our listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash MFM. That's two free weeks at one, as in the number one, password.com slash MFM. Onepassword.com slash MFM. Goodbye. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made in cookware. Made in was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made in. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of made in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad. So it's it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Okay. The subject line of this email is librarian ghost story. Great. Another, what I would say, combo email. Yeah. Good afternoon, friends and colleagues. <laughs> friends and colleagues. And friends and colleagues with a period at the end. I love it. <laughs> As requested, I'm a librarian with a story to tell. <laughs> I'm Madeline, and you can use my name. I started out my librarianship during my undergrad studies. I was essentially an underpaid and overappreciated research assistant. Shout out to Gemma, our researcher. Yep. To students and faculty members who needed help finding books, articles, etc., for their academic work. I'll miss the days when someone would come up to me while I was reading and looking altogether unapproachable to ask something completely bizarre like, hey, do you have any books about the sex lives of the ancient Egyptian gods? And the answer was probably, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
But anyway, in our massive five-story library containing millions of printed materials, there was definitely a ghost. Mm. The basement level housed special collections where I assume the ghost came from. We had some weird old shit. This, when I was reading this email, I was like, yes. I want that life, yeah. Can I have a list of all the weird old shit? (laughs) And here's, here's a short one. Stone tablets, Mm. ancient crowns, Mm. medieval books and furniture, printed firsthand accounts of local folklore, Mm. haunted as fuck to be sure. One day, as I was walking to the most remote restroom downstairs in government documents, and then in parentheses it says, no one goes to government documents willingly. (laughs) I saw an older gentleman in the stacks. Gov docs are complicated, and most people need help finding what they're looking for. I, being the greatest employee this library has ever seen, started approaching the man to see if he needed help as he was rounding the corner to start down the next row. I lost sight of him behind the stack and went to follow. He was not there. There is literally nowhere he could have gone. No doors or hallways. I looked around for him, thinking I was getting punked, pissed because I just went down there to hide in my secret bathroom. (laughs) Work secret bathrooms, man. For real. Just go and take 10 minutes and just stand around. Just sit. Just have a sit. Have some quiet time. Yeah. I gave up as the base of my skull started having this weird pinching feeling. I walked back upstairs. My left eye stopped working as if I had stared at the sun for too long. And my vision was replaced by a painful white halo just in my left eye. Within 10 minutes, I had the worst migraine I've ever had in my life, and I had to have my friend pick me up. It didn't go away for about six hours, and I tried to stay out of GovDocs from then on. Yeah. Let me know if you want to hear about the old guy we banned from our library for stalking my coworker and asking her to be a part of his polygamist afterlife scheme. Oh, no. (laughs) You know, typical Mormonship. (laughs) Stay sexy and shh. (laughs) Madeline. Wow. It sounds like a seizure, like what you experience when you have a seizure, kind of, doesn't it? It doesn't. Not to correct you, it doesn't. Um, But what is weird to me is that we, my roommate and I, when we lived in the Mm -hmm. haunted house in Sacramento, Mm -hmm. I've never had a migraine in my life. Mm -hmm. I hadn't before, and I've never since. We had migraines in that bedroom. One day we both woke up. I woke up with like, I couldn't see my head hurt so bad. And then suddenly she had the same feeling. And we both literally laid in our beds in our room, which is where I had the ghost experience Mm -hmm. all day. And like when a car would go by, we'd both start crying because it hurt so bad to hear sounds. I think that idea that it could be connected to otherworldly beings or something. Spectral anomaly. Could be cool. Could be cool. Could be. This one just says, this, the title is, oh, you want stories about stitches? Which I <laughs> guess we've asked for and sounds great. <laughs> yes, we do. This one just starts, hey, what's up, friends from my headphones? I would gush about y'all and the pets, but there's a story to tell and that's kind of embarrassing anyway, right? Hmm. I tried to tell you the story about my aunt marrying a murderer I tried to tell you about my high school classmate who became a murderer, but maybe my story about stitches will win. (laughs) Imagine this. It was 75 degrees out in mid-April 2016 in the Midwest, and you are in college. My college had this yearly event called Grand Prix. The overall gist of it was the two weeks before finals. There was an entire week of dartying. Then it says day drinking in the front yard of a frat. And the week ended with a race of cars that students built. Sounds totally safe. 
So, though that's the Grand Prix part, I guess. Yes. Yep. So, 75 degrees Fahrenheit during Grand Prix week, an actual dream come true for a Midwest college student. It was the end of my freshman year, so it was my first Grand Prix week, and my friends and I committed to drinking just enough every day of the week to not need our stomachs pumped. Also, we were 19. If I attempted to participate in just one day of Grand Prix week now, I would be out of commission for weeks. This year, there were a lot of undercover police walking around campus with dogs so that drunk girls would go to pet the dog and get a public intox, or they were finding houses (laughs) for drinking in the front yard. So during Grand Prix week, all of the frats would put up large fences around their yard so that not just anyone could look into their yard and ticket them. Don't stop drinking. Just make it less obvious. Build a a 10-foot fence and go for it. (laughs) Enter my friend Carter. He lived in this frat house and was tasked with installing the fence after he had already been drinking for quite some time that day. (laughs) Carter had thought it was a great idea to hit one two-by-four post in using another two-by-four post. Oh, Carter. Clonk, clonk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, one of those two-by-fours had split and a large piece hit him in the face, causing a nickel-sized hole under his bottom lip. Me, already multiple dizzy bats in, that's when you put your head on forehead on the bat and run around oh. like baseball, mm-hmm, <laughs> said, I'm pre-med, I can give you stitches. So suddenly there I am, kneeling over Carter on a frat house <laughs> pool table, using McCormick's, a sewing needle, and ice to give this poor kid stitches on his fucking face. Sorry, McCormick's spices? No, McCormick's McCorm- alcohol. Oh. I think. I think McCormick's <laughs> like the pouring whiskey. I think it's a whiskey. Oh, okay. Good, good, good. Because that would hurt. <laughs> that would really hurt. Little steak, little steak powder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, to, just to tenderize or a little bit of a meat tenderizer. Tenderize this. Yeah. By the end, I actually did a decent job and everyone gave me high fives and they even gave me a free t-shirt. <laughs> then <laughs> one of the kids who had been watching this whole debacle looked at me funny and said, wait, you're, you aren't pre-med. You're in my major. That's correct, ladies. I actually majored in construction management. <laughs> I just shrugged and said, I watch a lot of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> And that seemed to be enough for everyone who was there. In the end, Carter's face healed up just fine. I got a lot of likes on my tweet about it. And I would still (laughs) randomly get messages about it for the next couple of years. Now I go to sleep at 9 p.m. sharp and still watch Grey's Anatomy. Stay sexy and please see a plastic surgeon for face lacerations. Kristen. (laughs) This. The balls of a 19-year-old shit-faced person. Just epic. Epic. Borderline unbelievable, but so detailed. It absolutely clearly, it's the truth. That idea of like, I'm drunk and I'm pretty sure I can take care of this for you. I got this. Yeah. Oof, story of my life. When it's like the I got this when you deeply don't got it. But it's just like sometimes the hubris carries you through. Yeah. Man, sometimes I get a little, I feel a little shame about not having graduated college when people are like, where'd you go to college? I'm like, I didn't. And then you got to remember that like, this is what college was like for most people. So (laughs) we didn't miss anything. (laughs) No shame in 2022. There's no reason for it in any direction. Absolutely. It's just like when Chris Fairbanks told me something he did that he he was really embarrassed about at a party. Mm -hmm. And it was the day after the Oscars. He did, he acted weird at an Oscars party. And I go, Chris, no one cares the slap. (laughs) Yeah. No one will ever think about what you did again because of what happened on TV. Someone does something more awkward at an Oscar party than you ever will. And it's called slap across the face. You got to look for those escape routes where you can go, oh yeah, I don't, I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. 
Sure, there's other ones, but this one, take it off the list. Yeah. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. All right. My last email, the subject line is Scotch Plains, New Jersey. (laughs) Hi, Karen and Georgia. I was just listening to this week's episode 329 while doing some therapeutic cleaning. (laughs) During Karen's story about Larry Ray and the Sarah Lawrence Storm dad, she mentioned Scotch Plains, New Jersey as the site of his nightclub. I grew up in Scotch Plains, so I'm writing in because Karen said I had to. (laughs) Clearly, Alejandra's picking these and giving them to us if like my name is in one or your name is in one. Oh, I love it. I have one. I love it. My first thought after hearing my hometown was Scotch Plains had a nightclub with two question marks. Then I realized I was in elementary school at the time, so my knowledge of what happened in town past 8 p.m. is pretty limited. (laughs) I also asked my mom, but she had not heard of it either. I'm thinking raising two girls while my dad worked full-time in NYC didn't leave her much time for clubbing. Mm -hmm. A quick Google search showed that Club Malibu was located on Terrell Road. Since I didn't spend any time there, I looked up an article from 2003 that mentions the building was knocked down. The club had closed in 1999 shortly after a fatal shooting occurred in the parking lot. After that club lost its liquor license. Before a hearing about reinstating the liquor license occurred, Larry Ray sued a business partner for failure to pay $100,000. Sounds like it was a stand-up guy all around. So I wonder if he was involved in that shooting. Oh, Shit, maybe. Like timeline wise. Yeah, weird. Mm, Yeah, because the that was in 1999. Interesting. I mean, who knows? I mean, someone knows. Yeah. But it's not (laughs) us. Other than Club Malibu, my mom reminded me of a couple other places in Scotch Plains, including Colorado Cafe, once home to the only mechanical bull in New Jersey, (laughs) and Love Bar, which had a reputation that people who liked to swing went there. Uh, Mom, how do you know about that one? (laughs) Also, what if you were from out of town? You were like, oh, let's go to this nice bar. This would be fun. Romantic. So maybe Scotch Plains was a little more than a boring little suburb of New York City. (laughs) Thank you both for putting together a great podcast that I love to listen to each week. Love to Steven and all of the pets. Chelsea, she, her. Ah, that's the Scotch Plains report. Yeah, I like a I like a quick report of the details, the goings on. Yeah, of places we've covered. Brilliant. Same. Brilliant. This is a geography yeah. podcast, after all. <laughs> this is one of the coincidence ones. Mm-mm. Okay. 
Hello, lovely humans. The world is insanely small, so here I am to throw my coincidence story into the void. Or, I guess, not the void if you're actually reading this. Here goes. In middle and high school, I went to summer camp in Connecticut. Kids attended from all over New England because, you know, who can resist the draw of musical theater Jesus camp? I sure couldn't. (laughs) Current lack of religious affiliation aside, I made some delightful and formative friendships there, and one of those is where my coincidence starts. Our camp friend group traveled constantly for many reunions, hometown tours, and questionable 17-year-old shenanigans. On one of those trips, the summer before college, I was at my friend Becky's house getting ready and needed a belt to complete my ensemble. She pulled one from the pile on the floor and handed it to me, mentioning that it wasn't hers and the friend she had borrowed it from had probably forgotten about it so I could have it. Fast forward a couple of months and I'm in a 200-person art and media class at my college where they asked us to form project groups. Thankfully, I knew one girl in class. We had met at auditions for a dance team on campus. Since I knew she was an art major, I ran over, touted my organizational skills and um, desperation for an A, and crossed my fingers they had a spot left. Luckily, they did. She introduced me broadly to the group, and one of the other girls, my acquaintance's randomly assigned roommate, Kay, mentioned she was also from Connecticut. My small state pride overcame my social anxiety, and we got to chatting. Where in Connecticut are you from? Oh, did you go to a specific high school name here? Wait, do you know (laughs) Becky? She's my best friend since preschool. Why? Putting two and two together, I replied, I think I'm wearing your belt. (laughs) (laughs) Not awkward at all. A totally normal thing to say. I'm not sure if the fact that I was truly wearing this stranger's belt in a random class at a 20,000-person university made that particular situation better or worse but it is one of my favorite coincidences of my life. After that, we bounced around college, social circles, lost touch for a while. The three of us wound up living together. Yes, Becky too. And now Kay is in my wedding party later this year. It still makes me laugh to think about how the universe just dumps people in our path that make us who we are. Oversized 2010 belts and all. Unrelated, but since I know y'all love grandmas, my awesome kick-ass gram passed away last week at a ripe and sassy 93. She was born into the Great Depression, got a master's degree in the 40s, raised five kids, and finally gets to square dance with my grandpa again after almost 30 years without him. I'm one of her 15 grandchildren, and we all gathered recently to celebrate her bright, grateful, generous, love-filled life. Cheers to you, Millie. Stay sexy and never underestimate the power of a good belt. Amy, she, her. What a power email. Yeah. First of all, I... Love that coincidence. I here's the thing. What was the girl's reaction? Yeah. You, she must have been like, "Sorry, what? Like, how crazy yeah. is that?" That's that she was wearing it in that moment too. Like, who wears the same belt every day? You know what I mean? Like, you don't. Right. It's beyond. Yeah. But then also, her grandmother Millie got mm-hmm. a master's degree in the forties while raising five kids. She might as well have built a high-rise building with her own hands. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Square and dancing. So difficult and so amazing. Square dancing with your husband. With her husband. So and she living to 93, man, there's like, it's bittersweet, but mm. that's a life well lived. Mm-hmm. That's, yay. Gorgeous. Good um, job. Send us any and all stories that you think that we would like. That's really the rule at this point. Or would hate, you know what I mean? Like nothing yes. in between. Right. Right. Don't try not, don't try to just keep us at the status quo. Yeah. No one wants to stay there. Mm-mm. And also stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Elvis, do you want a cookie? Ah!
This has been an Exactly Right production. Our senior producer is Hannah Kyle Crichton. Our producer is Alejandra Keck. This episode was engineered and mixed by Stephen Ray Morris. Our researcher is Gemma Harris. Email your hometowns and fucking hoorays to myfavoritemurder at gmail.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at myfavoritemurder and Twitter at myfavemurder. Goodbye. Follow My Favorite Murder on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase My Favorite Murder merch.